0: Hello everybody, welcome to this week's episode of Beware the Board, a horror podcast where we watch a randomly selected horror movie every single week. I'm Bob. I'm Ben. Hey Ben. Hey Bob. Can I just say how nice it is not to be recording in the movie, in the morning? this? <laughs> yeah, Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> it seems to have not helped your mental state in any way. Okay, I've been up since early morning, but what I was going to say is... It's really nice to not record in the morning because I'm awake uh, now. You know what? Here's something I hate. And this is just Me? A- no, it's not <laughs> you. Sorry. Sorry? Wait. Aw. <laughs> I don't never hold on. <laughs> anyway, we record in my spare bedroom. You mean our recording studio? Yeah, my spare bedroom. And I was thinking about this. This window right here? Yeah. This thing sucks. And I've I own this house, I would destroy it and put a wall there. I really should buy some blackout curtains for this room. Yeah, you've been saying that for a while. Well, I've been saying that since I moved in, and I just haven't done it. I don't think you're going to do it. No, I will eventually. Maybe I'll ask for blackout curtains for Christmas. Okay. I mean, they're not that expensive. No, but I'm a broke little bitch. Like... I'm not broke, but you know what I mean? I think the issue is not that you're broke. The issue is that you're lazy, and you don't want to go buy a, a rod for the curtains and the curtains themselves. No, because if I bought blackout curtains, I would just go to Amazon. And order them, and that's easy as fuck. But I don't think you even want to do that. uh, Maybe. (laughs) But I don't know. That was speaking of things we hate. I hate this fucking window. No, okay. Because, like, when we watch movies, that's why I hate recording during the day, too. But, I mean, we can't really record at night, because that's when we work, usually. And also, uh, weekends, nighttime, sucks. Yeah. Uh, If we're watching a dark movie, there's always light in here. And it kind of blows. I mean, that's... The issue with lighting in this room is not... The room itself. Not that any of you guys listening can hear it, but we have a um, an LED TV, which isn't very good for blacks. See, I didn't know that. A lot of modern TVs aren't really great for blacks. Hmm. I forget which one. There's a, it might be OLED. One of the ones does blacks really well, Hmm. but our our TV doesn't do dark colors very well, so we can't see them. You know what? Even with the light, like it's an issue. Even when it's like pitch black. Mm -hmm. What film we were watching a while ago that was really dark? I don't know. There have been a couple. Uh, we watched Halloween 2, 2009, the Rob Zombie one. Oh, that one movie's is dark as shit. And it was too dark to see, even though we were watching it at night. And that would... We were also in my basement back then. Right. And it was pitch black in there. And I think that was more of an issue of our TV. That yeah. film's also very dark, but, you know. Anyways, my sister, oh. this is related to the TV thing, was like, what do you want for Christmas? And I was like, hmm, maybe I'll ask for a new TV for the podcast. <laughs> but I don't Fair know. Fair enough. But then I was like, I also need a vacuum cleaner because my dog sheds really bad. And the one I have is shitty. Okay. Okay. Do you have anything you want to talk about, like, uh, news-wise? I do. Do you have anything, though? No. Okay. This isn't, like, a this week news. This is just a thing I forgot to mention last week. (laughs) Uh, And I was listening to the episode for last week, and I was like, oh, darn, I forgot to bring that up. Because I was like, that's a cool piece of information that I know Bob doesn't know. So, remember I was talking about Thanksgiving last week? Yeah. On last week's episode? Mm-hmm. And I went to go see it right after it came out. Do you know the really interesting thing about that film? No. Okay. So, there's this other film that came out in 2007 called Grindhouse. Oh, I've heard of this film. It's uh, directed by Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino. Uh, that that is that makes sense. Okay. And it's, it's like a love letter to Grindhouse Cinema, right? That's cool. Uh, it's pretty cool, but at the beginning of that film, there's a bunch of fictional trailers. Uh, if you've ever seen Tropic Thunder, right? Mm. And how that has fictional trailers okay, at the beginning. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I know you're talking about. Grindhouse House does the same thing, uh, and I think there's five different trailers at the beginning of that movie, and now three of them have been made, because Thanksgiving is one of the fictional trailers that was in that movie. That's awesome. So yeah, it got made. That's really cool. I can't believe we haven't covered a Robert Rodriguez film yet on the podcast. Didn't he do Dust Till Dawn? Am uh, I wrong? No, Dust Till Dawn's Quentin Tarantino. He does Dust Till Dawn the series, like the TV show. That's why I was thinking of it. Robert Rodriguez. I know he did the I guess he did do from Dawn Dust Till Dawn. Yeah. yeah. The TV. The movie. He did it with... Um... Oh, wait. Robert Rodriguez directed from Dust Till Dawn. Quentin Tarantino did the screenplay. Ah, uh, that's what it was. What I what knew he was of. tied to it in some way. But yeah, so that's what Thanksgiving's from. That's cool. So, Do you know what the other films that got made were? From yes, that? I have the list of. Ah, oh, sweet. Uh, first one, Machete. <laughs> okay, that's kind of awesome. Uh, this one didn't get made, but it, there is a trailer for it. Werewolf Woman of the SS. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Which um, starred Nicolas Cage. That's awesome. I so, love Nicolas kind of Cage. Fun uh don't is another one <laughs> then thanksgiving we 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 were just talking about that uh hobo with a shotgun it's hobo with one. a shotgun that is a real movie that got made that sounds awesome mm-hmm. sounds like it's probably not a horror movie it is oh. well it's more grindhouse yeah okay, you know how sure. it is yeah yeah, yeah. it's just kind of gross fair enough but yeah that's all i wanted to mention because I, I was like that's probably the coolest fact about thanksgiving as a movie yeah i've heard so you know I try not to have movies spoiled for me, but sometimes I see people talk about movies and, like, what they thought. I've heard Thanksgiving is, like, overall is pretty fun. Like, I've heard good things overall about it. And I saw – there's this Twitter account that I don't follow but gets, like, put on my, like, For You page or whatever to, like – you know, because they know I like horror but I don't follow the person so they show me his tweets all the time. Yeah. he's It's, like, at Chainsaw Massacre is his name on Twitter. He tweets stuff, horror stuff all the time. He's constantly tweeting about it. But he was like, you know that Drake meme? where it's, like, him being excited about something and him not being excited about something. Yeah. He was not excited about Scream 7, but then had Thanksgiving 2 in the excited about it bit. Yeah. I mean, I th- I thought it was a pretty decent movie, especially because, like, when you think about it, it had the work in the constraints of a trailer that was made in, like, 2007. Yeah. I'm not sure how closely it did that, because I haven't seen Grindhouse in a while, so I don't remember. But I don't know. C- cool fact. And I was like, ah, oh, sucks that I didn't bring that up last time. <laughs> On that note, though, I guess we can go into the actual podcast, the actual podcast part of the podcast. If you finally decided what category you're picking this week, yeah, Ben now, asked me. I know last week on last week's episode, you were like, "I'm just gonna wipe out Slurposaurs, cause the extinction of the dinosaurs." Yeah, I mean well, slurpasaurs. the Slurposaurs. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm. I think you're right. The I Brontosaurus. Think, <laughs> God damn, that movie made me so mad. Oh, <laughs> that is one of the. Oh, I'm not.
1: I'm it not was gonna just go bad characters. I'm not going to
0: keep parping on that film because we talked about it for fucking an hour last week. Bad characters. We sucked. But the first one was good. Yes. The third one, hopefully, is also good because I think I'm going to be maybe spoilers for the wrap up. I think Journey to the City of the Earth might be the most fun film we've had this season. Yes. Because it's just fun. Like it was just enjoyable to watch. And then The Lost World might be the worst film we've seen this season. (laughs) But not, like, objectively, I don't think. Well, maybe, actually. Maybe. I might be lying to you. The least enjoyment you had. Yeah, I just didn't have fun. I didn't have fun, and that's kind of what I was hoping for out of the category. So hopefully this third Slurpasaur film will be fun. That's all I want. My standards are at the floor, Benjamin. If this movie makes me upset, I'm going to be so glad that it's over. Because now I have to watch the Slurpasaur film ever again. Fair enough. Until you pitch this category again at some point maybe. Which, I mean, we haven't done a repeat category yet. If I pitch it again, it'll be like horror slurposaur. Oh, I do actual horror movies. I mean, that would be kind of nice because that's kind of what I'm here for. I mean, fair enough. Me and the audience. (laughs) These are kind of horrifying. Horrifyingly bad. To end, actually, content-wise. Well, that last one had a pretty horrific scene. So is this your way of saying you're choosing the last Starpast film? Yeah, I'm kind of beating around the bush because I'm not... Not that I'm not excited. I'm not not excited, but I'm not excited. Okay, well, you ready? I guess. All right. Uh, Today we're going to be watching One Million B.C. I've never heard of this. That's great. Uh, It came out in 1940. Whoa! Old movie! So we are going back. What is it this season with old films? I don't know. They're both my categories, but yeah. I wasn't expecting him to get them at the same time. So Fair enough. Description. It's time to go back to the original. Okay. This is cool. It's an hour and 20 minutes long. Okay. It passed. <laughs> I fucking... Jesus Christ. Our review scores. IMDb gave it a 5.7 out of 10. That's not bad. Tomato Meter gave it an 80%. That's actually really high for a slippers or Film like this. And an audience score of 34%. Okay. This is what happened on Lost World. The the, the critic score was pretty okay. and The audience score was dog shit. and I had a bad time. That's fair. This film got three wins and three nominations. Oh, no. It got zero wins and three nominations, I believe. Okay. I think that's a mistype. But I could be wrong because I'm doing this off the top of my head. Yeah, it got three nominations, and those are the things I want to point out here, because they were big nominations. Oh, really? Yeah. It was nominated for two Oscars. Whoa! One for Best Special Effects and the other for Best Original Score, and then it was also nominated for a Hugo uh, for Best Long-Form Dramatic Presentation. Holy shit! Great nominations. Didn't win any of them, but like... I mean, still, to be nominated for something like that? Yeah. It's crazy. Notable Actors... I'm sure I won't know any of them. Well, actually. Maybe, actually. been watching old films lately. Victor Mature as Tumac. Uh He played Samson in Samson and Delilah. You don't know that film, but do you know who Samson is? Like, the Bible character? I thought you were going to say the Binding of Isaac character, but yeah. <laughs> also the same guy, I think? Yeah. Yeah, hair, same hair, character. Long hair. Yep. Cool. He's like Jewish Hercules. Yeah, except he's powered by hair. And he's powered by God. Well, the hair is a the hair helps. So the whole idea is his hair shows his devotion. No, and it's if you the, cut his hair, hair, it has nothing it to do, do with his, his power. Belief in God. It's all the hair. Carol Landis as Loana. Uh, she played Vicky Lynn, and I wake up screaming. Oh my God, Lon Chaney Jr. Bob, do you know who Lon Chaney Jr. is? <laughs> I was going to say, why would you look at me like that? Like I'm supposed to know who no. that is. Okay, that's disappointing. You're a disappointing man. How? Because wh- he's super famous. Is he? Yeah. Never heard of him. Um, well, Lon Chaney Jr. in this film plays Akoba. And it's really weird that this is the first film we're seeing him in. Uh, because, among other things, he played the Wolfman. Whoa. And the Wolfman. Oh, that's cool. That's yeah. pretty rad. How do you not know who Lon Chaney is? I've, you know I don't watch movies other than I the mean, show. That's fair. I'm kind of mocking you because I know how you don't know who Lon Chaney yeah, is. Yeah, it's yeah, you, but yeah, um, him and his dad were both actors, and they're both very, very famous. Hmm. And they're both named Lon Chaney. So it's like there's two really famous Lon Chaney's, and they both are very famous for horror films. Oh, really? Because uh, they both did creature acting. That's cool. Among other things. We ha- I mean, we haven't seen The Wolfman yet on the podcast. I don't no. know when we're going to get to it. Lon Chaney's in um, Phantom of the Opera. Oh, really? That's sick. Yeah. Conrad Nagel as narrator. Uh, he played Kingsland in Congo. John Hubbard as Otto. He played Willard Mims in The Tall T. Nigel D. Bruller as Peytow. He played Cardinal Richelieu in The Three Musketeers in 1921. And... Shazam in chapter one of the adventures of Captain Marvel, which was a 12 chapter film series in 1941. Whoa. So do you know what like film series are? No. Uh, Basically in the early forties, I think that's when they were popular. They were, I think they're specifically called film serializations, but it was this idea that there would be like a short film. Okay. And it would play like every week up until it's completed. So kind of like a TV show. That's what I was thinking. But it would play at a film theater. So, Oh, that's kind of cool. A lot of them I saw because I was looking into it because I really hadn't heard about it beforehand. But a lot of them were like 12 parts. So for 12 weeks or 24 weeks, you'd have one released. About how long were they? Were they like movie length apiece? No, so they're shorts. Okay. So I'm not sure, I'm not sure about the exact time, but like, Shazam! That one is, I think, three hours long. Roundabouts, like in total, or like per in episode? total, okay. Like each, Holy all shit! Twelve parts. I was like, twelve episodes, three hours long, once a week. That's crazy. Yeah, that's cool. It's like TV, but you have to go to a theater to watch it. Yeah, it's so, kind of like a cool, like, it's community cool. thing. Well, especially because it was like their new releases. Yeah. So it's like it's a little different. Mamo Clark as Nupandi. She played Maimiti in Mutiny on the Bounty*. Inez Blanji as Tohana. They played Tony's mother in Scarface. 1932 Scarface. Oh, shit. I didn't know that... Didn't Scarface, like the one I'm thinking of, come out in the 80s? It's a lot more recent. I don't remember. if Is it more recent than the 80s? I don't remember. I just didn't know that there was an older version of it. I don't know a lot about Scarface, other than I think I've seen the end of that movie. That's fair. Edgar Edwards as Skakana. He played Captain Turan in... Flash Gordon Conquers the Universe <laughs> 1940. That's not the Flash Gordon movie. That okay. is a Flash Gordon film serialization. Oh my god. Another twelve parter. I'm only laughing because I think for I don't know, maybe a week at work where you listened to the Flash Gordon theme song. It's great. It was just funny. That's Queen, you know? Jacqueline Dahlia as Atif. Uh, she played Dolores Fernandez in Mystery in Mexico. And then Mary Gail Fisher as Wandy, she wasn't in anything else. Huh. A lot and then, of people in this movie. Yeah, there's a lot of people. There's a bunch of people who didn't have, like, named characters, so I didn't mention them here. But oh my God. But there's, there's a lot more. The director is Hal Roach, who also directed Roadshow, and his son, Hal Roach Jr., who directed uh, Prairie Chickens. That name is kind of familiar. Yeah, I mean, Hal Roach did work in Hollywood for a long time. Oh, okay. He was egregiously old when he died. Mm, I see. Like, outlived his son by 20 years egregiously old. Oh, my God. Yeah. Because he was born, I think, tail end of the 19th century and made it to the tail end of the 20th century. No fucking way. I was like 100. Almost. Holy shit. Writers, Michael Novak, he also wrote Roadshow, And then there's two more writers who were George Baker and Joseph Frickert. But they didn't write anything else. They do have a writing credit on uh, something else, though, which is the remake of this film. Oh, wow. That's really cool. So I'm going to bring this up now. Normally, I bring it up after the episode. But there is a remake. And I'm specifically bringing it up here because the remake of this movie has a very similar title. Oh, okay. So there can be some confusion. Uh, The remake is from 1966. And it's one million years B.C. Mm. So remember, this one's one million B.C. So the difference is that, that year. Damn, that's crazy. They made a remake in the 60s? Yeah. it's kind of cool. And it's British. Oh. Okay. Have you have ever seen the poster of the woman and the fur bikini? It tends to be pretty famous. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, then that's fine. But that's from one million years B.C. Mm. Okay. Kind of like a famous cultural thing i think Hmm. i couldn't find anything about the budget or the box office but country of origins united states it's also known as man and his mate which was the working title in the u.s and tumac which was also the working title in the u.s and then there's an alternative alternative title which is battle of the giants and a reissue title which is caveman (laughs) caveman right tagline See the most exciting adventure in a million years. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. It's not bad. That's all I got for now. So I think we'll go watch the movie. Yeah, we'll uh see you guys in a minute. Hi everybody, welcome back. We just finished watching One Million BC. Yeah. Yep. What do you think? Uh. Okay. Look. And maybe I'm maybe I'm being a Debbie Downer. Bob's being a Debbie Downer. I can just tell you he was being a Debbie Downer during the movie, but I I think I have similar problems with this film that I do that I did with Invisible Man. Where I think overall it's fine, but the standout for me is like the visual stuff. Like the visual effects, the actual like monster creature stuff, all that stuff is like really, really good. I mean that's fair. It's not a very complex story, but I had fun. No, yeah, I mean, like, it's a fun time if you've never seen it. But this isn't one of those films where I'd go, man, I love that movie. I want to watch it, like, again. Yeah. I mean, i watched it a couple times, but not all the time. Sure. Uh, with that being said, though, I'm just going to jump into the description, and then we can maybe start talking about it. Um, but it's a it's a very, very simple premise. Um, basically, it's a Starcrossed lover's premise, essentially. Uh, but there's this guy, Tumac, and he's a caveman from the Rock Tribe. And he ends up meeting a woman, Loana, from the Shell tribe. And it's kind of like a, he falls in love with her and learns from her and then brings back what he learns to his tribe. Yeah. And eventually the tribes get, you know, united. But the the real big thing here is that uh, the Rock tribe is like the hunters of caveman times. And they're very, I don't know, savage and wild. Yeah. And then the Shell tribe is like the gatherers. But they're weak and wimpy. Mm-hmm. so. Mm-hmm. But they're yeah. smart. But they're smart. And also, they figured out that maybe they shouldn't beat each other up for no reason. But they're wimpy. And they have a soup pit. They're wimpy, though. Yeah. They can't kill anything except wow. fish. I was about to say, they get a lot of fish. But yeah, it's, it's a very simple premise, but I, I did find it entertaining. Now, is there anything you want to talk about specifically, or do you want me to just lead this? Nah, go for it. Okay. So, um... I think the first thing I want to talk about right off the bat is the narrative framework for this story, because mm-hmm. I think it's very interesting. No, oh, yeah. This is something I want to talk about. So, so the movie it up. starts in present day, mm-hmm. and it's this group of Germans. Bob's <laughs> <laughs> laughing, because the, the main guy had what? What are they called? Um, looked like he was wearing Lederhosen. Lederhosen, yeah. And he's leading his party through the mountains during a storm, and they stumble into this cave, and when they're in this cave, they meet a guy who's chilling in there. And assumedly, he's, uh, like an anthropologist. Yeah, I was gonna say, he might be like an archaeologist or something. But, uh, he's looking at the cave because he's like, hey, this cave used to be, like, the home of ancient peoples. You know, the guy leading the German expedition group is like, oh, that's super interesting, can I show my party? Because, like, we're interested in this. And, um, the anthropologist is like, yeah, of course. And eventually what happens is the anthropologist gathers all these, these group of, assumedly they're hikers yeah. together. And he's like, do you guys want me to tell you a story? Cause on the wall behind the anthropologist is like this big cave painting. And so the anthrop- anthropologist who is credited as like the narrator, uh, starts telling the story of, uh, Tumac and Luana. And, You know, once he does this whole introduction bit, the film then jumps to the actual movie when we're set in uh, prehistoric times. But what I do want to note that's so interesting about this whole setup is that the story the narrator's telling is his approximation of events that did happen. Yeah. And so it's not, like, supposed to be super accurate. I think it's more supposed to be like a fictionalized version of something that could have happened back in the day, Hmm. which I think is an interesting like explanation for why there's totally like dinosaurs and caveman times. <laughs> yeah. Right. But uh, one of the coolest examples of this is before the story starts, one of the people in the party of like hikers is like, what did these cavemen like look like? He's like, I actually don't know. So why don't we say they look like us? And he points to two people in the audience who are the actors for Loana and Tumac. And he's like, how about we say Tumac looked like you? LaWanna looked at you. I, I don't know. I thought it was yeah. an interesting setup thing. No, it was cool. It, I I was surprised at the way the film started. Like, I did not know. Like, I guess what's cool about this movie and kind of why I think it's more interesting than the other Star Wars films we've watched is it's not like modern people interacting with dinosaurs or like things that shouldn't be there it's ancient people interacting with that not that dinosaurs were around with ancient people but like i don't know i guess it just feels so much more like classic caveman so it feels more natural in a sense if that makes if that makes any sense at all i guess in a sense but yeah i i think that was a very good way to open it especially because it was a good way to give us like uh background and setup stuff yeah right at the beginning Because one of the very interesting things about this film is, with it being a quote-unquote caveman film, none of the characters talk. No, yeah. They have a few, like a handful of fictional words that they've made up to refer to certain things. But for the most part, the film's a silent movie. And so like actual silent movies, if anyone isn't aware of this, uh, there's sound in the background. Because the big thing with silent films is, you know, while they were, silent there was no synchronized sound there'd always be music playing in the background and so this film has a very elaborate musical score going the whole time like orchestral and everything and i i just want to note it's very very important to like conveying what's happening yeah like emotional because like the characters can't talk and they have to like mime everything and so the music really helps carry stuff and it's just like a a really important part of this And i don't think the film would be as good without it no, yeah. You mentioned that during the movie, and it's something that, like, I guess I wasn't really paying attention to. Paying attention to, but in retrospect, looking at it and noticing it, it is super duper important. Especially for moments where it's like we're not given a ton of context as to what they're doing and why they're doing it. Yeah, because the only context we get is the narrator at the very beginning. Yeah. Which is important because we definitely needed that. Oh, for talking. sure. For sure. But. Yeah, the music has to do most of the the context stuff. Like cluing us in that something's dangerous mm-hmm. or that something's good or bad. Or even just character emotions. Yeah. Because they don't emote in normal ways all the time. Like a lot of people don't scream in pain or stuff. They just kinda grunt a little bit. Next thing I really want to bring up is the like the background and like the sets and everything. Oh, they're so cool. I thought everything was well done, mm-hmm. like visually. Everyone's in pretty decent costumes. Like, it, it's obviously not real cape stuff, but yeah, everything looks really nice. Uh, they have two main sets, really. They have one that's shot in a more deserty region. Looks like California, kind of desert. And then the other one, which is like a small little, I don't know, rocky glade or something. Yeah. But the sets are really nice. No, I was surprised. Good. No, me too. For like, sure, It doesn't look like a soundstage. It's like actual area. And that's really cool. Especially because there is so, so many special effects stuff going on. Oh my god, there's so much. And they do a very good job of having the special effects they're working with interact with this realistic background. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I told Bob this during the movie. I can totally see how this film got nominated for a special effects Oscar. There's a lot of miniature work Mm -hmm. a shit ton and splicing in footage like with that miniature work uh one of the scenes there's tumac and luana just walking in front of a background that's all miniatures and i pointed it out to bob and you were like oh my god yeah no really and i think what's so cool about that scene is it's framed so perfectly where you can't see their feet like, it's framed just above their feet, so you it, it makes the background fit so well. Like, you really can't tell that they're not actually walking through this area. Yeah, and there's a bunch of stuff like that. Uh, obviously, there's some, you know, slurpasaurs, yeah. specifically lizards that have been sized up, and those all look really good, especially mm-hmm. when they're splicing in footage together with people. Yeah. Lots of using the background with the foreground to, like, create a size disparity that looks really nice. Uh, there's a whole volcano. The volcano is so cool. And, you know, that all has to be miniatures and stuff. I I just want to say special effects are really, really, really great. And when they combine that, again, with these really cool, like, filming locations that mm-hmm. are just super real, yeah. um, it does create a really, I don't know, realistic environment. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's obviously a little cheesy because it's from the 1940s, but it it looks really, really good. It's... <sighs> I don't know how else to put it, but it's like almost like pulp action adventure like But cavemen. But cavemen with like crazy like special effects where they'll have like entire avalanches of rocks come down and stuff and like yeah. I don't know. It's almost Indiana Jones esque, like adventure film. Fair enough. I will say I think this might be the most visually like impressive for special effects that we've seen in this category. Oh yeah. I by agree. far. I think one of the coolest scenes, and we'll get to it really when we cover slipper Sword, like the actual slipper themselves. But there's this really awesome moment where there is a giant lizard above Tumac and Luana, and they're like in a pit, and you can see it above them, and like its foot crosses down into the pit. Yeah, and it looks really cool. You know how they did that? I don't no. think you got it, which is kind of cool that you didn't get it. But they had a they had an image where it's in the foreground. It's a real environment with Luana and Tumac. They hide in this hole. And then the background is, you know, the lizard walking around on a miniature set. Yeah. And so what they did is they have the lizard walking towards the real environment, and then they cut, and they had a a shot of Tumac and Luana hiding in this hole, and they got a fake arm and for a split second put it in the hole, and then they cut back to the, like, the spliced footage together. I guess what my big thing is, like, this movie did the best job at making these lizards that aren't actually there in giant Look and feel real and giant, and it—I don't know, I, I they just feel so real, yeah, in the best way possible. I think the thing to note about this film is this is basically the film that popularized Um It's one of the first, if not the first, films to use that technique. And out of all the ones we've watched for this category, I think it's the most well earned. Yeah, no, it's super cool because it is just so well done. It's not the oldest Slurperosaur film, but this is this is really what made that trope. A thing. They they just do a, a really good job with it because you can tell that's like how they actually wanted to do stuff. Um on that note though, I I think you are you, are you okay if I just bring up Slurposaurus now? Yeah, like there's the a fuckload. The fuck <laughs> yeah. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up basically all the creatures that I noted down that are in this film. Some of them are slurposaurs. Some of them are kind of not slurposaurs, but since it's technically set like what, a million years ago? Yeah. None of the animals that are playing the animals that were there, are necessarily going to be the same. Sure. So theoretically, they're all sauropods, kinda. Let's start just no specific order, but there's a pig in a rubber triceratops suit. That was a real pi- That was a real animal. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Thought that was a puppet. Was so he really did that to that pig. He was wrestling the pig. Yeah. Oh my god. There are tons of animal stunts in this, by the way. Oh yeah. With real animals, and they're really cool. Some of them are concerning some of them are concerning for the safety of the animal but there is a man who wrestles a cow and like it's a bull it is pretty awesome and it's i'm pretty sure the bull's fine it's scary for that man yeah because he tackles a bull but it's impressive yeah um so yeah there's a pig in a rubber triceratops suit <laughs> um funny. it just looks like a baby triceratops yeah but it's kind of cool this one's not a slurper sword, but i'm going to mention it anyways because i think it's the first time we've seen this on the podcast but there's a man in a rubber allosaurus suit yep I think I called it out during the movie. And you were like, wow, that looks like Godzilla. Which, I mean, the original Godzilla was a man in a rubber suit. So, yep, that's why. Um, I will say that one's particularly bad. That one's pretty bad. Both because it's a rubber suit, which I think it's the only rubber suit in the film. Yeah, except for the pig. So, Well, I meant like the only non-real animal. Yeah, that's weird that they chose to do that. But I guess they did some stuff with it that they couldn't have done with the other one. I mean, you couldn't have like a two-legged dinosaur like that unless yeah. you got a big bird so i understand why they choose to do a man in a rubber suit but it really does stand out yeah it's oddly weird everything else is slurposaurs but the real big issue with that one is they don't size it up no it just looks like a normal size. so it's man. just man sized and it, yeah. it looks a little odd uh next one is there's a couple asian elephants that have fake tusks and fur applied to them so that they appear as Wooly woolly mammoths. Mammoth. Yeah. That might actually be one of the most impressive ones is the scene with the woolly mammoth where it, like, is it the tree? Yeah. Super cool there's scene. There's a scene where a, a woolly mammoth pushes over a tree, like, off a cliff. Yeah. And it's so impressive because you can tell it's multiple scenes, like, work together. hmm Because Tumac's in the tree. It's like, that's not really happening there. No. At least that way. Super dope. Um, there's two dogs. I will mention that, again, it's probably two dogs that are supposed to be playing domesticated wolves. Yeah. But, you know. There's some, I think they're Brahmin cattle that have uh, fake horns and fur applied to them, so they look like mus- musk oxen. That's the thing that get, gets wrestled. Yeah. do You remember right. Uh, there's a sun bear cub. Oh, it was a sun bear cub? Apparently. That didn't look like a sun could bear. It could also be a black bear cub. But those things both kind of look the same. Yeah. Especially in black and white. Um, there's a six-banded armadillo with horns glued onto its head. That, that one was cool. Looks like a glyptodon. Do you know what those are? Vaguely. Okay, have you seen Ice Age? Yes. You know those big things that look like giant turtles? Yes. Those things. Okay. That one was cool because it was the first time we have seen an armadillo. Yeah. <laughs> on the podcast. That's I was like, fair. shit, an armadillo, that's cool. Uh, there's a young alligator with a sail glued on its back. Assumedly, it's trying to look like a dimetrodon. I do think the ones in uh, Journey to the Center of the Earth were a little bit better looking because I think the iguana fits a little bit better. Yeah, the iguana works a little better for that one, but there's a rhinoceros iguana, a snake, Coti as an oversized Megastotherium. That's the thing that eats the snake. Ah, okay. I didn't know what animal that was. I couldn't tell. And a gnoll, and an Argentine black and white tegu. Now, um, really quick, I do want to mention... Because I don't think we did the warning at the beginning of this episode, but there is no, we forgot animal cruelty. Yeah, I mean, as always, and uh, to be honest, it's pretty bad in this film. Yeah, it's pretty egregious. I think that's more so because of how many slurposaurs there are, yeah, as well as like natural disasters. Mm -hmm. And so they show the animals trapped in them, and that's kind of concerning. I mean, I think at one point we see a lizard with its legs trapped, yeah, in between some rocks. And there's a bunch of stuff like that, so I will say it's it's the one downside of this film for how impressive it looks. Some yeah. of the very impressive visual stuff is like... Oh, those animals are killing each other. Unpleasant. And there's a really big example of this where it's a fight between the black and white tegu and the alligator. When we were watching... Lost World? Yeah, the Lost World, I said the fight scene in that one was uh, probably an homage to another famous Slurpsaur film, and that's probably this one. No, it makes sense. I mean, it was basically scene for scene the same fight. Yeah, that sequence is really, really famous. And um, what I I will say now is kind of the silver lining of this film is the animal cruelty in this film was kind of so bad that the, what, SPCA, Society for Protection uh, of Animals, I forget what the actual acronym is, um, but the SPCA had to ban a lot of the things that happened in this film. Oh, really? Yeah, because of how bad it was. So this did help create some of the, you know, the rules around animal cruelty. Not that they were like super enforced, but no, but they existed. It did help contribute to that. So that is kind of a silver lining to this film because it isn't pleasant. With that being said, uh, and kind of going back full circle to the description of this film. Remember when I said, we g- we're we going to go back to the original. Yeah. The reason I said that is that this film, very interestingly, Enough had a lot of the clips from it, including unused footage, be entered into a, like, stock footage library. Oh, that's dope. And so, scenes from this film, especially the Slurposaurus like scenes, including that, that fight, mm-hmm. were used in a plethora of films from the 40s, 50s, and 60s. Wow. So, legitimately, scenes from this movie appear in Dozens of films. That's crazy. There's so many black and white movies where that fight sequence is in. That's wild. It's just wild. So uh, it's kind of why this film, I, I chose it. Besides the fact that it's very impressive like from a mm-hmm. technical standpoint, I think it's pretty decent. It's just, it's really, really famous for source stuff because you see it in other things. With that being said, uh, I think the only thing left that I really want to talk about is, I think, really the negative of this film... And that's the fact that the story is pretty simplistic. Yeah. I don't know. There's there's not really a lot of, like, stuff there. No, it's just—it's not very nuanced. It's a very classic story of, like— And to be honest, I think that's mostly because of the lack of dialogue and stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's super hard to give a super in-depth story when we can't have very complex things conveyed to us. Yeah. Um. So I do want to say, well, I do think it is— ...as executed well as possible. Yeah. It's just not the most engaging at times. Like, the visuals are great, but the story itself isn't. Yeah, I mean, so, I'm going to be... Go well, ahead. I'm going to be honest. I was... I wasn't bored, but when there wasn't, like, stuff happening on screen with, like, the monsters or, like, the special effects or, like, the natural disaster stuff, it's kind of a slog. Yeah, I guess. I'm more appreciative of slow movies than Bob is, so it wasn't too bad for me. But I, w- I will say this, that while there wasn't dialogue, the characters were better than the Lost World's characters. Oh, for sure. Um, and which that's is crazy. Yeah, it's wild. So, yeah, they did do a good job, I think, with characterization. Like, I know who the characters were as yeah, people. For um, sure. So I, I just want to say, while that is the weak point of this film, I think they did a very good job. I think the only... Way they could have fixed that, at least in my mind. And something I almost kind of wanted to see more of was the framing narrative. I think if they had the narrator kind of come in occasionally, well, it would have taken us out of the action, which might be a problem, it would have helped with maybe giving us some more information and stuff and keeping us like more engaged because they could have given us a more complex plot with someone in the background to like help. Yeah. I the only way I could have imagined doing that cuz it would make a very different movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I I couldn't tell you if it would be better or worse, but I think they definitely could have had a story that's very similar to the one they have here. And when they plan to do big time skips, we flash back to the present and have someone maybe ask the narrator a question. I don't know. I I found I like I like that setup and the framing that it gives for the movie. I just the the actual narration part is sort of the least interesting to me, so I don't know how much I would enjoy adding more of that into the movie. That's fair. I mean, it's objectively the least interesting, but it is a tool, and I think if used properly, it could have maybe helped that weak point in this film. Yeah, I don't know if maybe I don't know if cutting back to the people in the cave and having them talk to the narrator is the way to do it, but maybe just having him voice over stuff and add extra bits here and there would help. I don't know. I think that might take us out too much. You really think so? Yeah. In either case, I don't know. That's a completely different film. Yeah. But I think it's worth mentioning because that was the weak point of this film. It's just the complexity of this story. Yeah. With that being said, do you have anything else you want to talk about yes. for this film? I have one thing. Okay. And we haven't talked about it. Someone gets fucking annihilated by lava in this film. And it was so surprising. Yeah. <laughs> um. They use lava in this film. Uh, this is a thing from... Uh, all the other Slurpsaur films. All I the think. other Slurpsaur f- films. Not exactly sure how they do their lava. I don't know either. My best guess is maybe they use, like, tar or something and then light it on fire. I have no or, idea. Or, like, pitch or something. Because it, it looks like a, a thick substance. Yeah, it looks... Like, it looks dark. convincing. For sure. Um, but Not it's also like fire, too, which yeah. is weird. Um, Lots of fire in this film. But, yeah, someone gets annihilated by lava, and it's very unexpected because i was just like they're not gonna kill a person that way no they kill a person that way they kill her it looks good i don't know how they did it either because she definitely like it definitely looks like the lava is in the background and then she falls over and then the lava just annihilates her probably they switched her out with a mini maybe i don't know it looks good i was convinced looks good okay well on that note yeah uh i guess you want to do recommendations okay Look, if you've sat through every other film we've watched this season and you're interested in slurposaurs, give this film a watch. Just alone for the slurposaur-like effects and what they do with them. Totally worth it. Super cool. Once again, do you know not like want to see animals get fucked up? Don't watch these movies. Yeah, it's the hard part of this. That's like the worst part about C- these films. These films are interesting. They're interesting and they're cool. But watching another animal eat another animal on screen is kind of fucked up. If you're interested in special effects, especially early special effects from like the 40s, fucking cool. There's so much cool shit in this film like that. Like, it's so impressive. I had a really good time with it. I think those are my recommendations. Okay. Um, very similar ones here if you want a Slurpersaur film. I think this is the best Slurpersaur film we watched, I think. I uh, think so too. Not necessarily, I think, my favorite of the three Slurpersaur films we watched. I agree. But it is. The best for Slurposaurs. Yeah. So that is a concept is interesting for you. I'd recommend this one. Especially because if you're watching a bunch of other Slurposaur films, they're gonna be using Slurposaurs from this film. Additionally, if you're interested in like a caveman film, yeah. It's a pretty decent caveman film. Not that I've seen another caveman film. I will say the remake of this film I think is a little better. Really? It's also in color. Well, that would help. It's Not a Slurpersaur film. They use a bunch of stop motion. Oh, that's sick. I, I just sorry we didn't mention this. this. Film is black and white. Oh yeah, it is. It's dark as fuck. But also, we were working, watching kind of a scuffed version. Yeah, our our version had issues. The actual like, if you can get a Blu-ray of this, which I'd recommend, we just didn't have one. It's a, it's very clear. Yeah, and the the darkness is not an issue. But I thought we should mention that before we continue. Yeah, maybe not during my recommendation. Well, but... I I meant to bring it up earlier. I just forgot. But yeah, if you want a caveman movie, I think that's that. And I lost my train of thought because Bob interrupted me. So, Bob, do your, do your uh, rating. I don't know how to feel because I've – like I've said throughout this entire episode, I think all the special effects visual stuff was super sick. I think all the Slurpazor stuff was super sick. But the story is very surface level. It's kind of – it's not uninteresting. It's just something that I guess I've seen before, and I'm not very compelled by it but I think I have to give it extra points because it's from the 40s, and I was so thoroughly impressed by everything I saw other than, like, the story itself. Four. I think it. I think a four is, is where I'm sitting. Okay. I think that's fair. I think I'm going to go for a four as well. Like Bob said, the story is pretty old hat at this point. Not sure if that's so much because of, like, the fact that we're watching this film <laughs> 83 years later yeah or because it isn't like the most complex you know it's it's not the most interesting film ever however the visual effects are really really great especially for 1940 with how much there is it's just a very very impressive film to watch it's really really cool but also like just as a a sci-fi film it's really really interesting like it's hard to think of like a caveman film from this era you know what i mean I'd never really considered that this was a sci-fi film. Yeah, I mean, it, it got nominated for a Hugo, which is basically, like, the biggest award for, like, science fiction. Yeah. This is science fiction, huh? Yeah. Um, And from that perspective, like, this is really impressive, you know? Yeah. Like a cave, caveman story in mm-hmm. the 40s that's this well done is wild. So, yeah, I mean, I think for the visual effects and just the execution of the story alone, because they really do try, I mean— they even make the restriction of, oh, we're not going to have our characters talk. Yeah. and the words, we do get are super like basic shit that we pick up through context clues. Yeah. So, yeah, just for how hard they tried, I think I have to give it that extra point to a four. Fair enough. So, yeah, with that being said, I guess we're going to go to the outtakes now. I'm not sure if we're going to have any. We'll have some, hopefully. Because, A, we weren't really marking anything, but then we lost our marks— yeah. So, I'm Bob's gonna have to go scrub the footage, and sometimes he doesn't like doing that. So, it's we'll see if there's anything. Ain't in the ass. But, uh, but, yeah. We'll be back in a minute. We'll see you guys in a minute. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the outtake section for this episode of Beware the Board. I hope you're enjoying our review of 1 million BC. I don't love this film, but I do think it is super duper technically impressive, but Without further ado, let's get into the outtakes. This first clip is our reaction to some of the first Slurposaurs that we see on the screen and also me being pretty fucking stupid. They're just normal ass elephants. No, those are woolly mammoths. Benjamin. They're woolly mammoths. They're not real. But yeah, they're Slurposaurs. <laughs> yeah. A Stegosaurus. That was a Triceratops, Bob. Oh, you're right. You're almost as bad as Dr. Challenger. <laughs> this next clip is us realizing the main differences between the rock tribe and the shell tribe. They're also much nicer. <laughs> yeah, let's see. These guys aren't total dickheads like the guys over the rock tribe. They're going to they're gonna kill you and try and take your food. That's because they're civilized. That's, that's, I, that, that's the whole point, you know? Are they making soup? Yeah. They're civilized. They're sharing food. They really got a soup pit. They got tools. I would love a soup pit. This next clip is me learning a lot about soup during the film and also frag grenades. I'm learning lots of things about soup from this caveman film. Now, if you ever do like a pit like that and you heat it with rocks, you want to make sure you don't get river rocks. What was wrong with river rocks? Uh they can sometimes have water inside them. And if you put a rock like that in a fire, it explodes. Oh, that makes sense. Then you have a bunch of rocks in your soup. No, then you have an exploding rock in a fire that can kill you. Kill like in- you. Rocks explode all the time. I've never been killed by exploding rock. Yeah, no one's ever been killed by a frag grenade before. <laughs> that's not a rock, that's a frag grenade. It's that a- it's filled with explosives. It's a similar concept. Similar concept, but not the same thing. This next clip is our reaction to some of the animal stunts used during the film. Are you okay, Bob? You seem Am so... I supposed to be impressed? Non plus by this movie. No, i oh, Mammoth. I'm having a lot of fun. Really? Yeah. I think this. It's cool. Yeah. But Rah. it's not super. Oh my god. <laughs> Holy shit! Is that a real animal? Yeah, of course it is. This guy's fucking bullfighting? They can't afford a fake animal. That's actually sick, but sucks that that bull just got whacked on the head like that. Holy shit. These stunts are pretty impressive with these animals. This next clip is Ben and I deciding that this movie depicts the beginning of civilization and also me being stupid again. Be honest, Ben. I think if they ever see a big monster they don't think they can defeat, they just run. Because they don't need the food. They they have trees with fruit and fish. I think the idea is they're the gatherers and the other ones are the hunters. And when they get together, they'll be hunter-gatherers. Society. Society. We all live in a society because Tumac decided to kill a (laughs) T-Rex. I think it's an Allosaurus. (laughs) (laughs) Shut up. (sighs) This next clip is our reaction to some of the more technically impressive elements of this film, as well as one of the most famous Slurposaur fights in all of cinema. Hey, Bob. Yeah. Remember when I said that battle we saw last time was an homage to a much more famous Slurposaur film? Yo, that was cool, though. Not that we're about to watch these animals kill each other. That's fucking horrific. But that was a cool, like, effect. Yeah, this is a very famous scene from this movie. Although, ooh, yeah. This movie is so technically impressive, even though I don't think it's that f- interesting. No, it's much more technically impressive. Because it's from the 40s, you know what I yeah. mean? He's doing the death roll! Okay, I've seen this before. I could, uh, ugh. Like I said, that other one was kind of an homage to this. No, yeah, it's basically the same thing. Because this film is much more famous. This next clip is our reaction to the volcano explosion and its after effects. Well, that was cool. They're fucked. Yeah. Goodbye, everyone. That was really cool. The shaking. Because I know that's them doing it with the camera, and you know how massive those things are? Like, they just went like that with the camera. That's wild. Honestly, I can understand how this got nominated for an Oscar for, like, special effects. No, they're crazy good. This is insane. Yeah. For a film from the 40s, this all looks really fucking cool. Some of it's hard to see, but uh, this is definitely, I think, one of the films they get on Blu-ray. Yeah. So you watch it. I don't know how much you like it. Uh I... I think this is an Invisible Man situation where I really don't give a fuck about the story or what's happening. That's fair. It's mostly just the visuals. Yeah. But I think just to watch it and like... oh, if I, don't, I wish I could watch this in Ultra HD. Oh, he's checking on them. They're dead. They've died. I don't know how they did this, but this is sick. Honestly? Maybe some molten metal on a miniature. I was about to say, it might just be sparklers. Oh, no. Oh, God. Whoa! Like, that's fucking impressive! Like, oh, that thing's legs probably just got... Yeah, it's getting crushed. That sucks. Uh, but that's a cool fucking thing. Yeah. Like, that's sick. Yeah, look at the ground coming up like that. Yeah. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed the outtakes. Do we have any announcements, Ben? Not really. At least nothing, like, too important. You know, we have our normal Friday episodes. I guess the only other thing worth mentioning is we're releasing a special episode soon. Nothing important, but, like, my birthday was um, in November. So we're doing, like, you know, birthday boy's pick of a movie Yeah, that we're going to watch. We forgot to record that. Well, not really forgot. We were really busy. And we've been meet- we meant to do this last year, and then we forgot. That's actually what happened. We That's meant to do this a while happened. ago, we forgot. Basically, for our birthdays, we both decided that we're going to record a birthday episode, and it's dealer's choice. The birthday boy gets to pick a movie, and we watch it on the podcast. Yep. I We haven't recorded that yet, and I'm scared because Ben could pick some real heinous shit, and he gets to choose, and I don't get to say no. All I'm saying, we live in a society, Bob. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Shut up. Um, but yeah, that's that's it for announcements. Otherwise, you know, the usual stick. Check us out wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, as well as anywhere else on the internet you get podcasts that were available. I don't know where those places are. Basically everywhere, I'm pretty sure. We're also on YouTube, which is um kind of nice because, you know, you can show us some support, likes, subscriptions, stuff like that. It also has a couple of useful tools. There's a little bell button you can smack that'll notify you whenever we post like a surprise video, maybe like a birthday episode that we don't tell you about till the last minute. <laughs> uh, there's also a search function which you can use to look up any previous episode we posted. So if you're interested in like, hey, maybe they've reviewed this movie, you can go check it out that way because at this point we've done like 113 different movies. I think this is episode 113. Well, 113 different episodes, but yeah, so that's just kind of handy. Otherwise, it's kind of nice because it's one of the two major places you can communicate with us at. You can do that in the comment section of a specific video, or you can go over to Twitter, at BewareTheBoard, and go um, grunt at Bob. Grunt. (laughs) Don't grunt at me. Do not grunt at me. I will block you. I'm sorry. I'm not into grunting. Okay, don't make that face. Like Ben said, check us out on Twitter at Beware the Board. It's where I post updates about the show, information about the show. Basically, if there's anything you want to know about the show, it goes on our Twitter. On Mondays, I post a spoiler post for that Friday's episode, which is basically a hidden movie cover that you can reveal so you can watch the movie before we do. So when you listen to the episode, you don't get any spoilers and we're being vague about stuff you kind of know what we're talking about. Then on Fridays or whatever day an episode goes live, I always post a link to the episode with maybe a meme. We haven't had a meme in a minute. Maybe there'll be a good one for this one. I don't know. Maybe. Oh, you, there's an end of the season meme maybe. If you want to do it. It's up to you. Maybe. But if you ever miss an upload or want to know when something went up, there's always a link there. Last thing. Check us out on TikTok at Beware the Board and on YouTube Shorts. We do short form content. I haven't made one in a while. I've been busy. I haven't really been able to find anything useful. But yeah. If you like short form content, check us out there at the Board on TikTok and on YouTube Shorts. I think that's it. All right, well, we'll see you guys next time. Yeah, we'll uh, see you guys next time.